Good morning, everyone. I approach this with some wonderment, but with great confidence, I, I, I come before you. And, and here's, here's what I want to say. I hope this isn't this. God has something to say to everyone in the room. Look at the person next to you and, uh, you know, God has something. Not, there's not one person here that is immune from God speaking to them. And so my expectation is that God is going to speak to you today. And you say, well, wait a minute. Am I going to hear something? Well, I, don't, I can't account for that. It's God speaking, not me. But God's going to speak to you. He's going to say something to you that, that edifies you, builds you up, that encourages you, that causes you to see him more clearly. That's, that's, that's my intention here, that what I say will result that way. Now, how do you have such confidence? I don't have confidence in myself because I'll tell you this. <laughs> I'll be transparent. Uh, Stephen had uh, approached me about speaking at least a couple of months ago. And so I've been, I wanted to come up with a deep theological point, something that, man, when the people here, they were just, but you know what? I don't have, I, Everything that I'm going to tell you, much of it you've heard before, but I want to reinforce it in a way that it becomes a part of you. Now, David had been talking uh, with you over the last couple of weeks about disciplines, how you can take this information and incorporate it into your life so that, so that you would be waiting on God and you'd hear from God. And he talked about things like solitude. He talked about things like prayer and faith and a number of things he talked about. Well, I got some things I want to reinforce in you. I want you to see them. Ah, listen to this. I want you to see them a little differently. And how do you have the confidence, Jerry, to say, that people will see things differently. Because the scriptures let us know that we can look to God to open our eyes. There are numerous examples in the scripture where people thought they saw something. They were clear, hey, I could see. And the Lord came along and had to open their eyes. And when God opened their eyes, they had a new reality. Now, I'm not, I'm not starting a new religion or a new denomination. No, I'm saying the Lord, the Lord does in his graciousness let us see more so that we can walk in the light that he shines on us. So that's the, that's the basis on which I'm talking to you. We want, I want everyone, everyone's eyes to be, including my own. You know, I'm preaching to myself, too. So uh, the, Lord has, the Lord has begun, just started, 
to, to make what we're talking about real to me. And that's why I'm sharing it with you. One of the things that, uh, let, me, let, me, let, let, me, let me pray before we uh, get started. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we call upon you. We thank you that you've invited us to call upon you. And Lord, we know that when we call upon you, you hear us and that you answer us, Lord, for your glory. So we want you to be glorified in our lives. We want you to, to, to your kingdom and your purposes to be moved forward in our lives. And so, Lord, we submit to you, Lord, that everything we say will be to your glory and to the uplifting of your kingdom in our lives. We honor you and we bless you. And we ask for your hand of wisdom and revelation and clarity. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, when Stevens first spoke to me, it was a while back because uh, I had an experience. And he said, Jerry, you need to share this testimony with the, the rest. And I pro probably shared it with some of you. But um, let me start on this story and then we'll go and try to uh, see what the scriptures and the Lord has to say to us. About, oh, I don't know, 15 years ago, uh, I had a situation where I wasn't getting enough blood in my heart. So, the, you know, the doctors tell you, oh, you come in, I'll do something. And they, they ream out your aorta and put what they call a stent in. All right. Uh, some of you know what that is, but it's a little thing to kind of open up the veins so that your heart gets the appropriate nourishment that it needs. And uh, hey, he did it. And he, I thought he did a good job. I started feeling a lot better. And uh, it was a kind of what, what proverbially people would call a shot in the arm. I, hey, I felt better. I could, uh, you know, my circulation was better and everything. Well, when they do that, they always uh, prescribe for you blood thinners because they don't want the work that they do for your blood to go, come through there and clot. You have a blood clot, that can, be that can be catastrophic really. And so they give you blood thinners. And so after the work, they put me on some blood thinners and that's fine, it was part of my normal routine. Get up in the morning, drink your coffee. Well, I won't talk about that, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> Because I used to do that, and my wife said, look, you don't need to drink your coffee. And then, so now I get up in the morning, have my breakfast, and take my medications. And then, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I, I get up and, and, and take these medications. I had been doing this for the years. Well, about three months ago, in September, um, Unbeknownst to me, these blood thinners had done what they were supposed to do. And well, I guess I'll, I'll, probably almost all medication has side effects. Huh? You know, uh, you take it, it does you good, but here's the price you've got to pay for it. And so uh, some of the side effects was that in my own situation, long-term and prolonged use of these blood thinners had started an internal bleed in my system in my gastro, you know, your stomach and your intestines and all that. I didn't know that. 
But I know that one Sunday, I think it was the first or second Sunday in September, man, I just wasn't feeling that good. I came and uh, when the guys in the dance, hey, Jerry, how you doing? I said, you know, <laughs> I'm just not doing that hot. And they thought that was kind of unusual because usually, hey, how are you doing? Fine. You know, this traditional answer. Well, uh, this was an interesting Sunday because uh, that weekend, my wife had uh, gone to visit my daughter who lives in Atlanta. And I was happy that she got a chance to, because she's always saying, I want to come down and spend a day or so with you. And so it was ha I was happy that she got to go. And I had told her, I said, uh, um, when I dropped her off at the airport, when you're coming back, call me and I'll pick you up uh, from the airport. Well, anyway, that Sunday night, I really wasn't feeling that good. I, I ate, ate, prepared some food and ate dinner, and I just was feeling just not good, all right? And um, later on that night, I started being nauseous. I really don't want to get into too much graphics, but um, man, uh, I, I, what do you call it, upchucked or whatever, whatever the term is. Um, I, was, I was in my bedroom, and we have a little wastebasket, so I got it, I didn't want to make a mess. And this, all of this blood came out, and man, it was quite a volume of blood. And so I sat down on the side of the bed, and pretty soon I started getting dizzy. Well, in normal situations, if my wife had been there, I'm sure she'd say, hey, let's, let's call somebody or something. Let me back up a little bit. Just prior to this, maybe about two weeks before that, one of the things that the eldership had started talking about is the importance of calling on the Lord. You know. We use that term sometimes almost uh, meaningless, you know, just call on the Lord. But I want to underline that calling on the Lord is very important, not for his sake, because he knows the Bible says, before you call, I've answered. And while you're yet speaking, you know, I hear. So he doesn't need, but you need to Orient yourself that I'm calling on God. You know why I'm saying this? It's because many times we call on God and we do the things that we can. You know, if you got a headache, you call on God, Lord, heal me of this headache. But you run and take some aspirin, right? And so when it's all over, you say, uh, hey, how are you? Oh, I had a headache yesterday. I took some aspirin. I'm all right. Well, actually, the, the source of your healing, oh, you want to, so, I don't know, I'm not blaming anything on anybody. But sometimes instead of saying, I called on the Lord and the Lord healed me, he might have used an aspirin, he might have used all kinds of, he's the source of healing. Now, we need, this is something that we need to understand. When we call on God, then it's, it's, 
as a result of his promise and by his grace that he hears us and he answers us. Understand that because many times we attribute all the wonderful work that a doctor did, all the hard work that I did and I got this result. But if you call on God and you ask for him to help you, here's a, here's a, I, I'm still gonna tell you the rest of this story. Here's a little side example that I have of this. I have a sister-in-law who um, had a medical condition, I think a cyst or something was growing in her sinuses. And so um, we uh, basically had, oh man, we, we didn't know what to do about it. Uh, she went to the doctor and so my daughter, who's in, in medicine, had recommended to her to a real, kind of a great reputation for dealing with all those kind of things. And uh, so we had prayed, we prayed, we called on God. We called on God to heal her. But this high falutin doctor, when it came time for him to see her, they found out that he was outside of the coverage range. You know, insurance people, you know, there are certain doctors that you can go to and certain doctors. He was outside of that. Now we had called on God and the doctor that was supposed to do it wasn't even available. So I told her, I said, remember that we've called on God and we didn't call on God that this doctor could do it because we just wanted healing, however you do it, whether you do it miraculously through the clouds or by some medication or by treatment or however you do, Lord, bring healing in this situation. And she was so disappointed when the day before this doctor was to see her, they informed her, hey, he can't see her. Wait a minute, I've been expecting this to happen for, for, <laughs> for all this time, and now he can't see her. And so I told her, I said, listen, we, remember, we have to remember that we've called on God to heal you. Don't be discouraged because this door opened. God is sovereign, and he answers how he will. Do understand that because so many times we pray to God with the requirements. Father, I want you to do one and two. And after you do two, do number three. And then do number four and number five. And then uh, I know that you answered. No, God is sovereign. God may say, listen, I'm not even into this number thing. He's sovereign, and we have to understand that because otherwise the enemy would use our disappointment in him not following our prescription mm -hmm. to say, hey, you call on God and he's only 35% of the time he'll answer. No, God is 100%. He answers he, according to his will all the time. Yes. Understand that because, well, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to myself. Some of us think, well, we pray to God and it's a good chance we'll get what we want. When we pray to God, we ask him to make the decision, him to exercise his sovereignty. 
by his grace to extend to us what we need. Don't presume that we always know what the answer is ahead of time. So calling on God then, the first thing you have to do is acknowledge his sovereignty. God, you are sovereign. You know how to solve whatever I'm calling on you for. You know how to do that. Lord, and I turn it over to you. Now, I would really like you to do it one, two, three. But Lord, you are sovereign. That's the first thing. Acknowledge when you call on God that he is in charge. Let's face it. There's a whole lot of teaching these days that would incline us to think that God is a coin machine. That if you put in the right coins, you're going to get the right. No, no, no. God is God. He's above. He's God. And I know that that's not new to you. But I want, I want the eyes of your understanding to be opened to acknowledge that when you call on God, you are calling on, you're calling on the, the creator of the universe, the creator of the world, the creator of the, the, the continent we live on, the creator of the, and you can go all the way down to the, the cre he created you from the dust of the earth. He's the creator. He's the owner. He's the authority. When, when I looked up this, I was trying to impress you guys, and so I looked up the term sovereign. And it says, let me look at my notes. So I, I am going to get to the scripture, honestly, I will. Sovereign, supreme in power or authority. That means he's the top, he's the author. He's the beginner of everything. When you understand that, then you won't reduce God to a, a kind of lottery game or a kind of, well, because here's the other thing. We've been, here's the subject that we've been talking about calling on God. When we engage God and we acknowledge his sovereignty, then the ball is in his court, <laughs> if you understand, because he's made rich and wonderful promises to us that he'd hear us, that those who call upon him, he's near to those who call upon him, and that he would, he would respond according to his will. Now, don't pollute that by saying, please respond according to my will. You see how convoluted that sounds? Yeah. Lord, I'm calling on you. Do what I want you to do. Oh, my. <laughs> it, sound, it, it, it sounds ridiculous. But, but sometimes, sometimes that's the mentality that we engage in when we call on God, not acknowledging that he can do whatever he will. Okay, let me go back to my story. So I'm sitting on the side of the bed this night. My head started getting dizzy. And uh, for as much as I can remember, I fell off the bed on the floor. I passed out. I was unconscious. And so I laid there 
Uh, you say, well, you didn't know how long you laid there. Well, I do because the next thing that I knew, the phone was ringing. And the phone ringing means that my wife had called me from the airport to come and get her. But I was so in this unconscious state that I could hear the phone ringing, but I did not have the wherewithal even to pick up the phone. I had to call on the Lord. I said, Lord, help me. I don't have anything to offer. I don't have anything to give. I don't have any strength. I don't have, I don't have the will. I don't have the, I, I don't have the wherewithal. I, ha, I am bankrupt. Father, I need you to help me. Now, I don't, want to, I don't want you to think that Jerry has a special thing about calling on the Lord. The Lord hears everybody in the room when they call upon him. Do understand that. And so uh, I do remember that that Sunday before I left church, I was sitting there trying to get my breath, catch my breath to get ready to go home. And Joe Hayworth came up to me behind me and just laid his hands on me. And he called on God. So God had been called upon. He did. And, and he prayed a very tender prayer that God would touch him and, and, and get him through this thing and bring health and wholeness back to him. Well, I had to call on God myself. I was laying down there and I realized, man, I, must, I, I felt my head and it was hurting a little bit. I guess I had bumped my head when I fell off the bed. Well, here I am at home. Swayzine is at the airport, my wife, and, um, and I couldn't even pick up the phone. Well, by God's grace, I guess she got alarmed that, wait a minute, Jerry doesn't pick up the phone. That's unusual. So a little later on, she called, and God gave me the ability just to pick up the phone. I was, I was quite in a, in, a, in a daze. But I picked up the phone, and I said, I said hi. Uh, she said, how are you? I said, not good. She said, oh, are you all right? I said, well, I don't think so. I said, but I can't talk. She said, do I need to call 911? I said, maybe so. I don't know. I, I, I was in such a, I was in, I was in such a, you know, and now she's, she called me from the back of the plane because, you know, she called waiting to get off of the plane. And she told me later on, she called on the Lord. Listen to this. She did afterwards call 911. And I don't want to take from the wonder that God gives us in technology and all of the help that we have. But God was the one who orchestrates the whole thing. So 911 came, out siren and everything out to the house. And um, my wife and I have a, a little discord uh, in that uh, my wife believes in locking the house most of the time. You know, lock, lock the front door. And whenever she's gone, I always leave at least one door open. I'm just, 
Just something about me. I leave one door open. And I had left the front door open. Sure enough, they came and they were able to come into the front door. Said, Mr. Nance, I live in a, a I, was, I have an upstairs bedroom. And I was able to say yes. And so they heard me and they came upstairs. And it must have been four or five people. But they started working on me. And by then I passed out again. I was just, let me make sure that I don't keep you guys past two o'clock here. Okay. <laughs> I was just, I was, I was really out of it. But I do remember uh, thereafter being on a gurney in an ambulance, bumpy, you know, I didn't realize, but when you're laying on a gurney in an ambulance, they don't have very much springs in the gurney. You just bump, and I remember bumping, you know, down the road with the siren and all of that. Uh, but they got me to the emergency room, and by that time, I had passed out again. Uh, they intubated me, if it means put a tube down your throat uh, so you could breathe, because they said you, you had just about stopped breathing and getting air. Uh, and so the situation went very bad. I stayed unconscious until this was, this was Monday morning, right? It was Tuesday. It was Tuesday before I regained consciousness because I lost my blood supply. So they had to do everything, you know, give you multiple, multiple units of blood, yada, yada, yada. Uh, I won't go into all the details. Here's, here's the points that I want to make. And I'm going to say them all, and then I'm going to uh, uh, elaborate just a bit more, and then we'll finish up. God does hear our prayers. That's the, probably the most basic thing that I could say to you. But I want to say it so that you'll think about that, that every time you call upon him, he does hear you. Now, sometimes we feel a little, a little, you know, we've disappointed God, we've done wrong, we don't feel worthy, we don't, uh, we, uh, we haven't read the scriptures, we haven't prayed. God still hears our prayers. Hear this, God hears our prayers because he is gracious. And I want to make a point here. God does not hear our prayers because we are good, because we did enough work or because we deserve. Lord, I did five things, so you need to hear my prayer. No, that doesn't go. He hears our prayers because of his great grace and love to us. Understand that because otherwise we kind of fall into a kind of idle works kind of frame of, Lord, I got to do all of these things so that you No, he hears our prayers because he's God and he's gracious. And you know what grace is. Everybody knows that grace is unmerited favor. Grace is the favor that God puts upon us that we don't deserve. You see, the kind of grace that we usually give is to people who deserve our grace. Oh, you've been very nice to me and I'm, I'm happy to reciprocate. But grace 
was such that we were dead in our trespasses and sin. We were enemies of God. And at that time, grace was extended to us in Jesus Christ. He died for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, that's, that's, that's godly grace. That's grace that comes from God. And so here's what I'm going to say. The reason that God hears our prayers is not because, man, I read the scripture every day this week, a half an hour each day, and I've covered this many chapters, and I've prayed this much. No, no, no. God answers our prayers. He hears our prayers because he is gracious. So I say glory to God. Glory, glory to God. Here's the other thing. Um, I'll finish this little this story. On Tuesday, I don't want to over-dramatize this, so I, I want to be accurate, too. It seemed that all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I woke up, and uh, right there was... Swayzine holding one hand, and my daughter Monica was holding another hand. We were, I was laying there in the hospital bed. And it seemed that, that as I woke up, it was, it was such a, it, boy, the colors were very bright. Uh, man, everything looked so, it, it was such that, now look, Hear me out. In my own imagination, I kind of felt like, man, I died and God brought me back to life. Now, that's just my imagination because a dead man doesn't know that he's dead. So, I, I, you know, if I did die, I wouldn't have known it. Anyway, you know, <laughs> the, point that, the point that I'm making is that my eyes were closed and God opened them. That I can certify. That I can certify. That, of that I'm certain. That I didn't know what was going on, and God brought life back to me. Glory to God. Glory to God. And I kind of, here's what I said. Here's what I said. The first thing that I said when I saw them. He is real. God is real because it had been impressed during this time now on me that God, see, it's so many things that we deal with in our life today. We look at television shows and we look at movies and we let our imagination carry us to places where we'll cry and we'll laugh and oh, we could go through all kinds of, as a result of just some kind of acting on a screen, some kind of artificial thing that people have put out there of some story that they dreamed up. But God is not that. God is real. And I want to say that with all the sincerity, all of the, all that I can muster do understand that this God that we serve, he is real. Now, I know that that's not new. Everybody has, has said that. But I want the Lord, here's my prayer, that the Lord would open all of our eyes so because we can see 
greater levels of the reality of God. You see, when you were first born again, your reality of God was that he saved you. As you progress in your Christian life, you realize that he loves you, that he, he is for you, that he has wisdom, that he wants to change you to conform to the image of his son. That, so here's, what, here's the point. Here's the point that I'm making. God is real. Please don't treat him like, oh, well, uh, my imagination, if, if, if I imagine, if I imagine, if I can, if I can dream up some faith. No, no, no. It's bigger than that. This is the real God. God gives faith, but he is real. I'm, I, my, my, my prayers, to, my heart's desire is that the Lord help you to understand incrementally, because let's face it, as we move on to conform to the image of Christ, the Bible says this, now we see through a glass darkly. We just barely see. But at some point, we're going to see him face to face. We're going to see it clearly, much more clearly. Whatever, whatever you can see of Jesus presently, you're going to see more of him. And I'm saying, Lord, help us to move incrementally toward face to face so that he helps us, each of us, everyone in the room, to see Jesus more clearly. You see, that should be the reason why we come to gather. Man, I want to see Jesus more clearly. I want to know him more immediately. I want to experience him so that I can be like him. All right? I, man, oh, Lord. I want, I want to turn to a scripture <clears throat> to kind of reinforce this. Uh, if you'll turn with me in Mark, the Gospel of Mark, in the eighth chapter and the 22nd verse, Mark 8, 22. And this is a story that, that um, we probably know. And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. That is, they were begging Jesus to touch this blind man. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes, and laid his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And then Jesus sent him home saying, do not enter the village. This little passage of scripture says to us that there are levels of clarity that we can, can see. 
Jesus healed this man. This man was blind. He was profoundly blind because they had to bring him to Jesus. You know, he couldn't, you know, sometimes we say blind people are people who are visually impaired and they can't see very well, but they can make out this guy. I don't think he could make out things. They had to bring him to Jesus and Jesus touched him and he was able to see, but he wasn't able to see clearly. And Jesus responded to that by laying his hands on him again. Here's what I'm saying to us. Lord, I know that you've given me sight. I thank you for that. But Lord, help me to see more clearly. And I'll tell you some practical things. <clears throat> we'll see him more clearly, but that will help us to see the people that we are united and knitted together with more clearly. Uh, it will help us to see our situations that the Lord has placed us in more clearly and what he has for us to do in those situations. He can open our eyes innumerable ways so that we can see the purposes of God, the kingdom of God more clearly and our role in it. You see, that's a thing that can grow and develop more and more. As a matter of fact, I hope that that's our expectation because we want to conform to the image of Jesus Christ. Now, some may have gotten there, but I know I still got a way to go, a long way to go. And so I need him to continue to open my eyes and I, I just hope that you will seek for the Lord when you're spending time with him. Lord, open my eyes. Let me see this more clearly. Let me see who you are. Let me see your purposes more clearly. Let me see my role in those purposes more clearly. There are a couple of other, there are a couple of other, uh, <clears throat> and I'm just going to mention them to you. I'm not going to uh, elaborate on them. Um, you remember the story of Elisha? Elisha uh, had uh, been, God had given him the, um, I'll, I'll give you the scripture so you could look it up in your own time. 2 Kings 6, uh, verse 8 through 20. But God had given him the, 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 the knowledge of where the Syrian king who was, who was harassing the, the Israelis where he was, and every time this guy, he was gonna, he was gonna ca capture the Syrian king, every time he'd go somewhere to ambush, the man of God would tell him, look, the guy's hanging out right there, don't go that way. And so the king would send somebody, sure enough, there he was waiting to take the, the Israelite king out. So this Israelite king finally said to his guys, hey guys, somebody around here is telling this man of God. Who, who is everybody for me? And uh, one guy said, I want you to know there's a man of God over there named Elisha, and he knows whatever you're doing. He, he can tell what you say in your bedroom. So he said, look, I got to capture this guy. Let's go. And so he took his army, army, chariots and horses, 
and surrounded the city that, that Elisha was staying in. The city was Dothan, I think it was. At any rate, Elisha's servant got up in the morning and saw that, man, the city is surrounded by the Syrian king and his army. What shall we do? That's what he asked Elisha. And Elisha said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Uh, make sure I don't want to say something that's not accurate. Don't be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are against us. Here's what Elisha saw. Elisha saw the army of God around Elisha. Now the servant couldn't see that. And so Elisha prayed, Lord, open his eyes. And you know, the Lord opened his eyes and he was able to see, wait a minute, we're supported by God. And the story goes on. Elisha was victorious. God delivered him. I just want you to understand that there are, you see, Jesus is God and he created this world. And, 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 and the scriptures tell us that he created both the visible, that's the stuff we can see, but he also created the invisible. Now I'm not getting weird here. I'm telling you what the scriptures say. He created the invisible. So there's a lot that we can't see. But the prayer, Lord, open my eyes, will help us to see things that were there all along, but the Lord had a greater reality for, for his sake and for his purposes. I hope, that, I hope that you have gotten this message to understand that the Lord, here's my points. A preacher is supposed to <laughs> summarize this way. I have my points. God hears our prayers. He responds and answers, not because of us, but because of his great love toward us, his grace toward us. Yes. That's the basis on which he responds. Remember, God is sovereign. And God will continue to open our eyes. We should look to him to continue to open our eyes until we can see him face to face. And the final thing, God is real. God is real. This is not a plaything. This is not, this is, this is, this is, this is real. God is real. And I know that that's so basic. The things I've said are very basic truths, very basic. As a matter of fact, I was kind of embarrassed because I really wanted to dazzle you with some theological point. All of this that I've said, at some level, you know. But I'm suggesting that God wants to take us to a, a different level of reality of who he is. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are over all and that we confess that our eyes are not completely open. We thank you that you have opened our eyes, but Lord, there is more for us to see. And so Lord, help us to see your purposes, 
your intentions, the, 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 the blessings that you have heaped upon us, the, the, the responsibilities that we have to contribute to the carrying forth of your kingdom, Lord. Help us to see that, Lord. We pray that you would open our eyes. We call upon you to open our eyes. We want to glorify you, Lord, in everything that we do and say. We honor you and bless you, Lord, because you are worthy. And we bless your name in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah.